Hello and welcome from Good Shepherd Church of Camarillo. We're so glad you're with us. Here's today's message. Well, we're continuing our series um, on the sanctity of life. And mentioned this last week, but often in January is when we think of the sanctity of human life and and that all life is precious. Remember, uh, the, the unborn in the mother's womb, um, all the way on up and uh, uh, even into the elderly, everyone is, is so immensely valuable and equally precious in the sight of God. And, and we're calling this series Loving Like Jesus. And we acknowledged last week that really it's impossible to do that. It's ultimately impossible to love like Jesus because we know that Jesus loved perfectly, didn't he? Jesus had perfect compassion. And, and what I love so much about Jesus is that he had the perfect balance, if you've ever noticed this, the perfect balance of proclaiming truth and confronting when he needed to, but yet then showing grace and compassion when it was most needed. He had just the perfect balance of that. And really it's impossible for us to love like Jesus as we live here on this earth, but we can do that in many ways. And the key to us loving like Jesus is to first of all, know and experience that love, to know his love, to experience it for ourselves. And and to allow that love to live in us, that we would then be consumed by the love of Jesus. Do you want to be consumed by the love of Jesus? In the story that we're looking at today, that's ultimately my prayer, is that we would be captivated and consumed by the love of Jesus. And it's incredible because we see this example here of how Jesus loves the leper. And I want you to turn, if you would with me to Matthew chapter 7. We're going to start at verse 28, and we're going to go into the first few verses of chapter 8. And just setting the stage here a little bit, Jesus had just finished the Sermon on the Mount, and, and as you know from the Sermon on the Mount, there were all these revolutionary teachings. You know, Jesus was, was talking about things, you know, uh, you have heard that it is said that you should hate your enemy, right? You know, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But he says, but I say, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you and just giving all these revolutionary teachings. And we see at the end, it notes specifically how people were in awe at the authority of Jesus's teaching and how revolutionary it was. But what we'll see is how Jesus not only speaks and exercises that authority in his words and in his teaching, but he goes further and he takes action and, and even exercises his authority in his healing and in his actions. And so Matthew 7, starting at verse 28 into chapter 8. It says, And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. For he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. And when he came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him. And behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. 
And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a proof to them. Lord God, these are your words. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for who he is and, and what he's done for us. And I pray today that we really would be captivated and consumed by his love. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want you to notice something right away. It says that when Jesus came down from the mountain, it says, first of all, that large crowds followed him. And then it says a small word. And you see this actually throughout the Gospels, but it says, behold. And that word is there for a reason. Because anytime that you see this word, behold, it's there to alert us to something startling. It's there to... To, to take special note, it's like, pay attention. Or, or as you're telling a story, sometimes you're, you're telling the story and you say, now, hold on, now get this. This is what happened. Listen, listen. And that's what's happening here. And in, case, in this case, that, that something startling was a man that was covered in leprosy. Likely, this leprosy was at a very advanced stage and and we know leprosy to be that dreaded skin disease that was, was cause for a lot of worry and a lot of fear in the days of Jesus. And it could be that this man, maybe his fingers and, and toes were missing, likely that the skin on his body was lumpy and scarred, and, and maybe he had scabs uh, all over his body. We don't know exactly what, we, what he looked like, but it was, it was not a pretty picture. And the worst thing for lepers was that they weren't even permitted to live with their own family. They were outcasts in society. They had to live isolated lives or live just around other lepers in, in a leper colony or in, in a designated area where they lived. And not only that, but they had, the, had to be the ones that, as they maybe were out walking somewhere and whether there was a crowd or someone coming their way, imagine going through life like this, that you had to warn people that you were there. They had to shout, unclean, unclean, to give that warning for people to stay away from them. And what we see with this man is actually something that took very great courage. Do you notice the courage that this man had. It took great courage for him to do what he did because he approached Jesus. And imagine that. It says, even around this great crowd, this large crowd, this man here is, is taking some bold steps, exercising his courage, but we also see why he had this courage. It really was out of desperation. I mean, what did this man have to lose if his disease was incurable? He probably didn't have much more time to live. And what gave him the greatest confidence was who he believed Jesus to be. He believed that Jesus could help him. 
in his helplessness and in his hopelessness. I want you to notice something that this leper actually didn't directly ask Jesus for anything. This leper simply expressed his faith in Jesus, essentially saying, Jesus, I believe that you can heal me. I believe that you can make me clean. He says, Jesus, if you will, you can make me clean. We see the heart of Jesus in this, that that Jesus was willing. and, And remember what we learned last week about the compassion of Jesus. That when it talks about Jesus showing his compassion, it literally means that his heart bled with compassion. He talked about that kind of graphic picture of his bowels being agitated in compassion and in pity that it showed in him. And that compassion was, was lived out. And that's what made Jesus willing to do what he did for the leper. It was the same compassion that made him love this leper. What was it that Jesus was willing to do? I want to highlight three things that Jesus was willing to do. And how did Jesus take action toward this leper? First of all, we see that Jesus touched him. Listen to the great power in these words. Verse 3 says, And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him. This is the first thing that it notes here is that he physically stretched out his hand. He didn't hold back and and he touched him. Now I want you to imagine for a moment the collective gasp of the crowd. In fact, I want to practice. I want to to try that today. On the count of three, we're all going to gasp, okay? One, two, three. (gasps) Let's try that again. I think we can do better. Let's try to be that crowd because this is startling. What's Jesus doing here? Okay, ready? One, two, three. (gasps) Okay, you might get the picture a little bit that when Jesus is stretching out his hand, nobody else would have done this. In fact, no one else could do this. Because lepers were unclean. And, and, And then the natural question then is, well, wouldn't that make Jesus unclean? That's what held people back. Wouldn't that make Jesus unclean? You would think so. But what's so amazing about Jesus is that his power is greater than that. Because greater than the power of sin and impurity is the touch of Jesus' healing power. Jesus doesn't become defiled Jesus doesn't become clean because his power is greater. And instead, this man becomes clean. And as we think of the lepers in our society, it's not just what you might think of as lepers. Because lepers in in any society, in our society, in our community, are, are the helpless are the marginalized, the people that are just forgotten and living isolated lives. It's the insignificant, it's the broken, it's the helpless. And and there's a power that we possess in Jesus that can bring a healing power. Isn't that great news today? That there's a power in us, if you are a believer in Jesus, 
to bring healing power to the hopeless and to the helpless. And, and Jesus, what he does here is he enters such a mess, doesn't he? He enters into the mess of leprosy. And, and isn't that often what holds us back in our love? Is entering someone else's mess. St. Francis of Assisi, uh, there's a story about him. This actually takes place before he was St. Francis. Before he was even converted, uh, the story is told that he was riding a horse down the road and when he went by a leper hospital far away from the city, because in biblical, just like in biblical times, lepers, of course, were rejected and forgotten. And so St. Francis is passing by this leper hospital far away from the city. And Francis, at that time in his life, he was really just caught up between the lure of, of pursuing wealth and pursuing glory for himself he was feeling that tension of that life, building that life around himself, and, and then the life of discipleship in Jesus. And as, even as he rode along, he was all absorbed in his own thoughts. And suddenly the horse jerked to the side of the road, and with difficulty, Francis pulled him back on course, but he couldn't keep going because as he looked up, he recoiled at the sight of a leper in the middle of the road. And this leper was gray and ghost-like with stained face and shaved head, dressed in, in gray sackcloth. This man didn't speak. He didn't show any sign of moving or even getting out of the way. But he stood there. He looked at Francis with a penetrating gaze. It was just an instant that seemed like an eternity that passed. And slowly, Francis got off the horse and he went to the man. It says that he took his hand. It was a poor and withered hand, blood-stained and cold like that of a dead man. And Francis pressed the hand and, and brought it to his lips and he kissed the torn flesh of this creature who was the most helpless the most hated the most scorned of all human beings and as he did he was flooded with a wave of emotion that shut out everything else around him and the story is told that that was an early step in St. Francis's conversion, which took many months, but what it taught him was that following Christ might often, actually often, requires us doing something that repulses us. Something that's messy, isn't it? And what Francis didn't know then was that something greater was working in him and was prompting him allowing him to do that which, humanly speaking, he was incapable of doing. And there's often things that we're called to, that messes that we're, we're called to be into, to minister in, that we in our own human strength are incapable of doing. 
but it's the power of Christ's love living inside of us, captivating us and consuming us then that causes us to share that love, to enter into someone else's mess. My question for each of us today, what is, what's the touch that Jesus might be calling you to bring to someone who's lost and, and forgotten and, or, or marginalized or in the eyes of this world, just a nobody to the helpless and to the broken or to those who are desperate. That's what Jesus did. He reached out his hand. He took action. He touched him, entered into the mess. And the second thing that we see Jesus do is that he spoke words of life to him. Because see, the reason that we can bring a healing touch to anyone else is because of the power of God's word. Isn't it great that we not only have actions that we can show, but that we have as Christians, as believers in Jesus, a message that is the only true hope, the message of Jesus that brings life to people. Notice what Jesus does here, that at the same time he stretches out his hand, he speaks. Verse 3 says, he stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will, or I am willing be clean. I want to ask you today, what makes Christian service? When we serve people, when we love people, and we take part in Christian service, what makes Christian service different than just, quote, doing good in the society or doing good for others? What is it? What makes it different? Because the truth is, is that we can take action. There are needs that we can meet. We can work with our hands, but in addition, what do we have? We have a healing message, don't we? We have the words of hope. In fact, it was St. Francis of Assisi who said, or it's attributed to him, that, you know, share the gospel, share Jesus Christ, and use words when you have to. And I think there's, there's such value in that saying. You know, and in many ways, our actions speak louder than words. And we're not always called to say something. But many times we are. And that's what makes Christian service, meeting the needs of others, ministering to others, that would, that's what makes Christian service unique, is that we also have a, a healing message, a message of life, a message of hope. And I'm grateful that in different ministries that we're doing here in this community and, and through Good Shepherd, one of them being our grief support ministry, that not only can we listen and provide support and provide empathy and understanding, but we've, we've also had the opportunity to share a message of hope. Words that bring life. We can confidently share that if, if you're a believer, that you don't grieve like the rest of the world. You, you grieve. Yes, we, we grieve. But as it says in 1 Thessalonians 4.13, we do not grieve as those who do not have hope. There's a message of life. There's a message of hope that we have. And we can confidently say in anything that we're going through, whether it be pain, declining health, a terminal diagnosis, grief, hardships, and we acknowledge it. Yes, it's 
crazy difficult right now, but that we as believers have something to look forward to. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18 says, So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory that is beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, they are temporal. But the things that are unseen are eternal. We haven't seen anything yet, have we? The best is yet to come for believers in Jesus. And also, in a couple weeks, we're going to be doing a, a project uh, to remember some of the elderly and, and shut-ins in our community. And um, Amy is, is coordinating this effort, but we're going to be providing cards, uh, Valentine cards for uh, residents in our community that received the Meals on Wheels, and we're going to do some gift bags for nursing home residents. Greg and Mary Seba go over to the nursing home once a month, and, and we're going to do a project just to, to remember them, and, and we're going to write notes of encouragement, notes of blessing, and in some way we want to share that message of hope, and we found out for some of them we can't actually write a Bible verse. We're not allowed to do that, but we can write a personal note. <laughs> And we can share a message of hope in that note. If it happens to sound somewhat like a Bible verse, that's okay. <laughs> a way to get the message of hope out. And that's what Jesus does is that he not only heals this man and stretches out his hand, but he gives him a message of hope, words that bring life. And we see what that does. And the third thing that we see that Jesus is willing to do is that Jesus set him free. It says, immediately his leprosy was cleansed. In verse 4 it says, And Jesus said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a proof to them. So we see this instruction that Jesus gives, and isn't it sometimes confusing when you read about these miracles that Jesus does, and then he tells the person, like, don't, don't go tell anyone, or gives them some kind of special instruction. You would think it, it would be the opposite, right? That, that this man, you know, that Jesus would tell, now go tell everybody. Go shout it from the mountaintops. And you'd think that that's what that man would want to do, just shouting it, I am healed and come meet this Jesus. Come meet this man who made me clean, who healed me. Why is it that Jesus tells him to be so secretive? Some insight to this is that when a leper was healed, that leper then could be pronounced clean. And then once they were officially pronounced clean, they would be able to re-enter society then. And we don't know the reasons in this case, all the reasons why Jesus told him to keep it quiet. But what we do see in this particular moment, I want you to take special note, is that Jesus in this moment cares more about this man's freedom than just simply making the miracle known. That he cared about this man's life 
and setting him free to live. And some scholars speculate that perhaps Jesus didn't want the report of this miracle to reach the priests in Jerusalem until after they had seen this man and pronounced him clean because it could have been that these priests would have been reluctant to pronounce this man clean because of because they knew it was Jesus who had done the miracle and they maybe would have been reluctant because of the animosity that they had toward Jesus. We, we see is that Jesus wanted more than anything for this man to be free and to be cleansed and to live a new life. And that's ultimately the reason Jesus came. The Old Testament, of course, promised one who would bring healing, would bring hope, would bring, bring restoration. And in Luke 4, 17 through 19, it explains that Jesus, as he traveled throughout the land, it, it says that he had entered a synagogue. And it says, the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to Jesus, and he unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. Listen to these words. Jesus then shares these words. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty all those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. It says, and he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. He was the fulfillment, the one that would come to bring that hope and that restoration. And he came to bring liberty to the captives, to give sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who were oppressed. And that's what Jesus wants to do in each of our lives. And that's what Jesus wants to do through each of our lives, to proclaim good news to the poor, to help bring freedom to the captives and Bring freedom to the oppressed. What I've been realizing is that Jesus doesn't simply call us to do good just for the sake of doing good. Do good for goodness sake. He calls us to reach out our hands, to touch the helpless, to touch the broken, to touch the sinner, to touch the marginalized and to set them free with a message, the message of hope. And you might think, well, okay, how do we do that now? And the quick answer might be, we got to be like Jesus. We got to be more like Jesus. Love like Jesus. And, and, it, and, and we do through his power, but, but the reality is that in this story, we, you know who we are? We're the, we're the leper, aren't we? We're the leper. We have an incurable disease that, that can't, in which we cannot save ourselves, in which we're hopeless without Jesus, in which we have no purpose without Jesus, in which life is pointless without Jesus. That's true of each one of us. And that is true 
of every person in this world that apart from Christ, apart from Jesus, life is hopeless. Life is pointless. Life is purpose, purposeless. And it's the healing touch and the healing words of Jesus that then bring us life and bring us forgiveness. And the healing touch and those healing words that set us free to proclaim to others and, and lead them to Jesus who can do the same for them. And so as ones who have that leprous heart, that sinful heart, we can be consumed by the love and the grace and the forgiveness of Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Ken. I'm going to invite the team up as we prepare to close and, and sing about that, that message of hope, Christ our hope in life and in death. That as we experience that healing touch of Jesus and those healing words that set us free, that then Christ calls us to, to take that message of hope out beyond the four walls of this church, out into those who are around us who are hopeless and helpless and searching for meaning. Let's pray today that the love of Christ would captivate us and consume us, live inside of us and, and flow out of us. God, thank you for the way you loved the leper. And, and God, we recognize in our own hearts that we are just like that leper, spiritually. That our hearts are sinful. We know that your word says that the heart is deceitful above all things, that that we are born into a world of sin. We were sinful from the time we were conceived in the womb. Yet at the same time, we were loved beyond measure. And God, we pray that we would experience that grace, that mercy, that forgiveness again and again. And God, I pray today that if there be anyone here that is living still in that, that hopelessness, that purposelessness, God, that they would look to Jesus, that they would call upon the name of Jesus and be saved and, and receive the words of life and the words of hope. May we continue to live with those words of hope as we live from day to day. Where you've called us and where you've placed us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.